Welcome to the Museum of Femininity, a podcast exploring themes, material, culture and stories that relate to the struggles and triumphs of women, both past and present. Welcome back to the Museum of Femininity. To celebrate Women's History Month, I will be focusing on female artists and as well as posting a new artist every day on Instagram, I would also like to go into more detail about specific examples in the podcast episodes this month. In particular, I wanted to discover new female artists who are perhaps not best represented in the traditional art history canon we are taught at university, and especially female artists who have unusual backgrounds for women in this profession and did not necessarily benefit from the guidance of an artistic parent. One such artist was Mary Edmonia Lewis, who was born free in 1844 in Greenbush, New York, to a black father and part Ojibwa mother, who was also a talented weaver. At the young age of nine, Mary and her brother Samuel were orphaned and put into the care of her two maternal aunts who lived at Niagara Falls. It is remarkable to think a woman who came of age in a world where gender roles were ingrained in society was able to forge a successful artistic career. Not only this, but as a woman of colour in Civil War America, she must have grown up with few future options. The very idea of moving to Rome and becoming a sculptor would likely have been incomprehensible which is one of the reasons why her life story is so fascinating. However, when you really delve into this incredible sequence of events that makes up Mary's life and her electrifying personality, it is no wonder she led the life she did and blossomed into the independent creative she was. Mary's childhood was fairly idyllic in Niagara Falls, where she lived for around four years, She sold Ojibwe baskets and other items, like embroidered blouses, to tourists who visited the area. Mary embraced her Native American roots in this period and went by her Native American name, Wildfire, while her brother was called Sunshine. In 1852, Samuel, her brother, left for San Francisco He had been a trained barber since he was 12 and likely wanted to make a living. He left his sister in the care of a Captain S.R. Mills and during his absence paid for all her board and education. In 1856, Mary enrolled at New York Central College, which was a Baptist abolitionist school. There she met many leading activists who would later support her artistic career as mentors and patrons. A few years later, Mary would undergo primary courses of study, which aimed to improve her reading and writing in preparation for college. While reflecting on this period of her life, Mary would remark, Until I was 12 years old, I led this wandering life, fishing and swimming and making moccasins. I was then sent to school for three years, but was declared to be wild. They could do nothing with me. Samuel continued to support Mary and encourage her in her academic pursuits. She was able to attend Oberlin College in Ohio, which is where she discovered her artistic talent. 
At Oberlin, she was also inspired by the abolitionist movement on campus, which had a great influence on her choice of subject matter later in her career. However, tragedy struck as Mary encountered her first truly terrible taste of racial injustice when she was falsely accused of poisoning two white female students with the aphrodisiac Spanish fly. What followed must have been an experience beyond comprehension when she was captured and beaten by a white mob who left her for dead in a field. Thankfully, she survived her injuries and attempted to continue with school but was forced to leave once more when she was unjustly accused of stealing art supplies. Mary eventually left for Boston when the charges were dropped. In Boston, she met William Lloyd Garrison and sculptor Edward A. Brackett, who taught her how to sculpt and encouraged her to start her own studio. By the early 1860s, she was making clay and plaster medals of Garrison and other abolitionists, and consequently found modest commercial success. In 1864, Mary created a bust of Colonel Robert Shaw, who had died leading the all-black 54th Massachusetts Regiment during the Civil War. This remains one of her most well-known pieces and allowed her to earn enough money from the sales of copies to move to Rome which during this time had become a safe haven for a number of female American artists. She did, however, travel prior to settling in the Italian capital, visiting Florence, London and Paris, where she must have had many exciting experiences unique to a woman in her situation. While in Rome, Mary mastered working in marble and completed the majority of her work herself, rarely employing Italian carvers to help which was unusual for sculptors of her generation. She also honed and developed her skills by copying classical and Renaissance sculptures, which clearly influenced her stylistically, as all her work retains the pure, white, harmonious and smooth execution of neoclassical arts. In spite of her academic and traditional approach to sculpting, Mary remained devoted to African-American themes in her work, whilst also tackling biblical subjects that were deeply inspired by her devout Catholic faith. The fact Mary was black became an unfortunate source of curiosity for wealthy tourists travelling to Europe on their grand tour, and often her studio in Piazza Barberini became an important pit stop during their visits to Rome. She was able, however, to overcome or ignore whatever racial prejudices were thrown her way and found genuine celebrity during her career and was able to sell her work for thousands of dollars on both sides of the Atlantic. Although she found success, she was undoubtedly frustrated by her race constantly being emphasised and prioritised over the quality of her sculptures. We can see how she was exoticised and patronised by the press who frequently focused on her appearance and eccentricity of her very existence, as not only a female sculptor, but a black one. They commented upon her sculpture's garb, which you can see her wearing in a pensive and casual 1870 photographic portrait, noting her quote-unquote jaunty red fez, as well as closely analysing every aspect of her being, including her stature, which was declared to be short, 
Her speech, which was apparently deliberate. Her manner, they refer to as being quite problematically childlike. And her demeanour, which was said to be stoic. The sentimental language used in reference to her race and gender was an unfortunate custom of the time and can be seen in other examples. Some direct quotes include, A black sculptress is rarer than a black swan, proclaimed the San Francisco Chronicle in 1866. She was also referred to as a struggling genius in the Atlanta Constitution in 1871. So very romantic terminology. And it is no wonder she sought freedom in Rome. Mary herself said, quote, I was practically driven to Rome in order to obtain the opportunities for art, culture, and to find a social atmosphere where I was not constantly reminded of my colour. The land of liberty had no room for a coloured sculptor. It is interesting, though, because Mary did seem to be something of a complex character and very canny in her self-promotion. Perhaps this is why her biography was so confused for so long. Even her birth date was unclear, and sometimes um, she clearly lied about it. For example, she was listed as being 42 when she died, when she was in fact 63. In addition, she could move from worldly and intelligent. Uh, so, for instance, of all the female artists in Rome at that time, she was the only one who attended university, uh, but as well as portraying herself as this sort of um, scholarly intellectual, she was also prone to exaggerating and playing up this wild, idyllic Native American upbringing. A contradiction of this can be seen in the comments she made in 1873 when Western states were at war with Native American tribes in the area. Quote, I have Indian blood in me, you know. Why? Do you know I almost envied the freedom of the Indians, which I saw on the plains, but then they were so dirty I didn't like that in them. This highlights racially insensitive attitudes that are at odds with the public image we so often associate with Mary, conveying her as a truly enigmatic individual and making her life story all the more difficult to decipher. Some of her work from this time included Forever Free in 1867, a sculpture depicting a black man and woman emerging from the bonds of slavery. In 1866, she also created The Arrow Maker, which clearly draws on her Native American ancestry portrays a scene from the Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's epic poem, The Song of Hiawatha, which was written in 1855, in which the character Minahaha, a young Dakota woman, plats mats of flags and rushes, while her father makes arrowheads of jasper. In addition to this, she made portrait busts, including one of Abraham Lincoln himself, she was also known to sculpt her patrons and gift them busts of themselves as a way to thank them. So I think it's very difficult to know exactly how she felt about her roots. I would say if you look at her work, it's very evident that she was passionate about her, her ancestry and um, racial issues. And that definitely feeds into her work. And perhaps the press slightly um, manipulated her words or 
you know, there is a possibility that she said certain things to the press that she didn't necessarily mean for self-promotion. So who knows? It's very difficult to fully understand how she felt and what her true thoughts were because she was so mysterious and a lot of the writing we have is from the press, which of course could have been easily exaggerated, uh, particularly as she was such an unusual character for that time. So it does make you wonder how much of her life has been blown out of proportion by the press. But it also makes you wonder how much of her identity she shaped herself to uh, promote her work and to almost promote this image of herself, which seemed to capture the imagination of so many people. So as well as um, the pieces I mentioned, Mary found critical acclaim uh, with one particular piece, which was displayed at the Philadelphia Exposition in 1876. And this was a sculpture entitled The Death of Cleopatra, which following this exposition, was later, a few years later, also displayed in Chicago, so it travelled well. And the sculpture depicted, of course, the Egyptian queen sat in her throne, already dead um, from suicide, with her breast exposed and her expression void of life. It conveyed a realism rarely seen and did not find widespread appreciation. Some critics, for instance, regarded it as ghastly and, quote, absolutely repellent. But despite that, it is one of her most well-known pieces. Uh, but unfortunately, she was unable to take the heavy two-ton sculpture back to Italy, um, as she could not afford the shipping costs. Sadly, instead of being put on show in a museum for people to look at and enjoy, it was placed in storage, where it was forgotten until several decades after she had died. Um, in a terrible state, so this is incredible, it was actually found covered in white and purple house paint and left in a mall, so a shopping centre outside of Chicago. And I've also read that there were sort of Christmas trees kept in the storage space with the sculpture. So what an, what an amazing find. And it just shows how, um, you know, this work that made her famous was completely forgotten about and how easy it is for artists to sort of fade in people's memories and I'm so grateful that uh, Mary Edmonia Lewis's work is finding greater appreciation in more recent years. Little is really known about the final years of Mary's life. She continued to exhibit until the 1890s but the final 10 years are shrouded in mystery. We do know from death documents, however, that she spent her final years in London, where she passed away in 1907. For decades, the final resting place of Mary was unknown, but uh, because of the discovery of these documents, in recent years, the mystery has been solved. Following the discovery um, of her relocation to London, her will was uncovered. In this will, she identified herself as a spinster and a sculptor. She also, in her will, asked for a dark walnut coffin and a notice of her death to be printed in the tablet, which was um, a Roman Catholic publication in the UK. The resulting announcement was very short, uh, just one sentence, and it made no mention of all of her accomplishments. 
and did not reach those who sought her across the sea. So it seems that her fame was beginning to wane slightly, but there were still people who cared about her um, in her home country. Until over a century later, the unmarked grave was discovered, and now there is a black marble plaque that has been built in its place in commemoration of Mary. In recent decades, um, Mary Edmonia Lewis's life and art have received posthumous acclaim. Her pieces are now part of the permanent collection um, of the Howard University Gallery of Art and the Smithsonian American Art Museum. So that is where you can see her work. So that concludes this episode today. I am completely bowled over by Mary's work and her life. It is incredibly interesting and I knew nothing about her until this month. So it, it sort of excites me because it makes me think, gosh, I still have so much to learn and there are still so many artists who are waiting to be read about and discovered and I can't wait to, you know, find the next person. So I will be posting the photo portrait of Mary on Instagram at the Museum of Femininity, as well as some examples of her work, including the death of Cleopatra. So please uh, go over there if you're curious to see some of the images I have referenced today. Uh, my sources will also be in the show notes, so if you want to refer back to some of the articles I read, please have a look there. Um, and let me know what you thought of this episode. I will be posting another podcast episode this month, which will discuss the life of another female artist, and that will probably be in a few weeks' time. So I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>